Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. This episode features an interview with Tracy Corston. Today I'm joined by the fabulous Tracy Corston, uh, who has had a career that is pretty much more entertaining than mine, and it's not often that I will say that. So Tracy, maybe um, as a quick kind of a segue and intro, if you can give us the backstory on um, your fabulous multi-divergent careers and interests and a little bit about what you do, and then we can launch into it. Yeah, thanks, Simone. Um, I think I was one of those children who right from a very young age wanted to be, you know, an actor. And so from quite a young age, I got very heavily involved in theatre. Um, but I was also a fairly academic kid and very aware that acting might not, you know, pay the bills. Um, and so I've sort of ended up with these sort of careers that have gone alongside each other over the decades. So I've been a lawyer, I've been a teacher, um, I still am a registered teacher. I've moved into training and working for TAFEs and RTOs and things. Um, and then also the whole time I've been performing, a bit of directing, writing and public speaking because yep. that's always been a passion. So I've had all of these things going along at once. Mm. What have you found has been the secret to your success in juggling those kind of multiple career interests and life interests, really. Um, yeah, interesting presumption that I have succeeded in juggling it. Um, but certainly, I, the last few years I have. It's, yeah. it's taken me a long time to really learn how to, to juggle it all. And I think the key to that is it's really about priorities. It's really yeah. about working out what is actually really important to me and um, working out what your true passion is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can say, oh, my passion is the theatre and my passion is law or whatever it might be. But really fundamentally, what is it? Is your passion um, communicating with other people? Is your passion connecting? Is your passion creating? And I think that when you really kind of drill down and work out what is the fundamental, you know, overused term, but what are your fundamental values? Then you really know what's driving you and then you can really work out your priorities yeah you know aside from the average priority of i need to keep a roof over my head and food in the you know at least in the cat's bowl i think that's a that's a really interesting point in that it about three years ago i worked out what was my fundamental like core purpose for being around Mm. and I, i managed to get it down to connecting people to people for mutual benefit at the end of the day so long as i can do that every day of my life yeah i'm gonna be happy and then outside of that, all of my business interests, everything that I do, it has to tick that box somehow by creating a space for me to do that. Um, but I don't know that as business owners, we often take time out to actually work out what that is. Like often mm. we'll fall into a career or fall into something um, because we're good at it. So I think, yeah, taking that time. So mm. once you worked out, so what was your what was your core purpose or core passion or core value? Well, I think I think the, the big drivers for me were, I, I narrowed it down to three and they sound a bit cliche, but it was love, humour and creativity. Yeah. And, you know, in their broadest senses. And I've, I've found that going back to those really does help me work out what's my priority here or what can I bring to this or, and, you know, love in, the, I'm using love in the broadest sense of, 
um, almost that kind of biblical term of charity rather than love, yeah, you know, nice. that it's about connecting with people yeah. and, and all of that, which of course is what I like to do with things like public speaking or coaching yeah. other people in that and so on. It's about connecting with people. Um, and, and I'm a, an attention whore, but that doesn't fit in with values. It doesn't sound very... <laughs> doesn't sound very sort of you know it's very honest though it's like I think and I, I think that there's two um there are two types of people in the world there are people who are very comfortable in their own skin mm. um and people who are not so much and I, you strike me as someone that's comfortable in your own skin yeah in the in the short five minute chat that we've had so far but yeah. for me and I don't know whether it's I'm always um careful of bringing gender into the argument but I think that for me I didn't work out how to be comfortable in my own skin and unapologetically myself until I was about like 42. And I'm, so I'm not sure if it was an age thing, a gender thing. In terms of your life and your experience, were you always comfortable in your own skin in that from, you know, and unapologetically yourself or was it a process? Oh, no, it was definitely a process. And, and I think gender does come into it yeah. in the sense that... I mean, I, you know, many men are, are uncomfortable in their yeah. skin and, and struggle and all of that, of course. But women are far more put into a cultural framework, a cultural sociological framework of constantly being apologetic for their very existence. Yeah. You know, let alone, you know, saying the wrong thing or wearing the wrong thing or being a bit fat or some yeah. other crime that a woman commits, you know. So um, it was always a struggle. I was always a very outgoing and very confident, seemingly superficially mm. confident child adolescent young woman but I think like yourself I only really felt like I dropped into myself in my in my 40s -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 a lot of that is um experience and but it's also I think it's not just living the experience I think you do have to I think it was Aristotle talked about the examined life didn't he Uh, yeah some one of those clever philosophers Mm. um and I think that if you haven't examined your life you can still be struggling in your 40s 50s 60s yeah very true you know I think you have to do the work yeah absolutely Mm. I think and it's something doing the work is something also that we don't talk about enough Mm. so you know often I'll be having conversations with people in in business and people that I know and they're like oh you know I don't know how you do all the things you do and you're just so amazing and I go five years of therapy and they're like what yes (laughs) And, and I was like Yep. It's, it's called working out your shit. Yeah. Um, but I think that there needs to be more conversations about, you know, um, going and seeing a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist or a mental health practitioner yep. to, to help you work out the things that aren't working for you shouldn't be a taboo subject. That, that's think. right. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's still very much about um, you go to see a counsellor um, of any sort, you know, when you've got mental health issues or um mental health problems or whatever and um you don't necessarily have to have a very uh, a mental a mental health or distress or, or yeah. illness that's writ large that's mm. manifest large in order to go and as you say work your shit out yeah um and you know like yourself i see as i see a psychologist regularly yeah. i finally found one that's just amazing and 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 um she really is great for me you know just pushes me where she needs to and yeah um puts up with my tanties and all of that yeah. um and, and but years of that and 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 got also going to groups and yeah. doing a bit of 12 step and all of yeah. that stuff and and you take what you need you leave the rest you know and um everything I've done I think has has helped me absolutely yeah yeah so if you perhaps were talking to someone um who 
is struggling with um, the disparity between their true self and the veneer or the mask that they wear in life and in business because I think in business even like it it puts us under even more pressure to be seen to be a certain way it's it's a what's the word a false pressure but um if you were giving advice to someone let's say someone in business in their 30s that hasn't done the work and hasn't you know maybe excavated themselves and rebuilt themselves um what would be your top tips for them in terms of starting that journey gosh i think I mean, obviously, it it depends on the person, but I think that a good start is just to do some reading. Yeah. To find the right reading material. I mean, I think there's even a term for it now, isn't it, called book therapy or literary therapy or something, you know, reading self-help books. And Mm -hmm. and there are certain ones that I would guide people to and go, look, have a read of this. Um, And and one, in fact, one that I read recently, I actually reviewed because I review books Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a way of getting free books. It's great. (laughs) Um, I've got no shame. Um, But I, I reviewed a book by Paul Dolan. Okay. And he's reasonably well known uh, more in England. He's a very kind of uh, extroverted, eccentric um, academic, Mm -hmm. but he he writes around human behaviour. I think his his background is, I think it's psychology. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. But he wrote a book, a couple of books on on happiness. And, of course, you know, you think, oh, another book about... But it's absolutely brilliant. And the last one that he wrote that I read, it really looked at the narratives that we put around happiness Mm -hmm. and the the really accepted narratives that um for instance being well educated is going to help you be happy um you know being married and or monogamous um being comfortably well off um all of these things and he takes these narratives and just deconstructs them that's awesome and and deconstruct not to say this might not make you happy but don't assume that it will don't assume that grabbing someone who left school at 15 and putting them back through university is going to make their life any better. Don't assume that. Yeah. And um, so a book like that um, or other th- similar yeah. things, I think that's that's the way to start because from there you start to feel what, what twangs with you, mm-hmm. what resonates, and from there you can then go, well, actually there's a group that talks about, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy yeah. or there's a psychologist that specialises in in CBT or whatever it yeah. is and, and I think you go from there mm. yeah no that makes sense to me and I think um, I used to have my own counselling practice for a couple of years oh wow um, feels like a lifetime ago because I ended up transitioning into marketing instead because one business took off faster than the other but one of the things that we got taught when I very first <clears throat> learned you know um, transpersonal counselling was don't overlay your expectations on your client but mm. let them find the toolkit that works for them. And so, you know, it's very much for me, um, you know, holding space for someone else to be themselves yep. without that judgment so that they can explore mm. what's going on. And I think um, when it comes to happiness, it's such a dangerous word. Oh, yeah, so loaded. Word. Yeah, yes. so I'm very, uh, what's the word, I'm big on joy. So I'm big on yes. finding the, like, daily you know, what are the little things that, you know, make me smile? What are the things that I can find beauty in? What am I grateful yep. for? Um, and then my grand forever ago, like she would have been 100 this year if she was still with us. Mm. So, but she um, she just used to have this really amazing knack for waking up um, and then she, she would get into her routine. So she had a happy bubble, I call it, and I do the same. So mm-hmm. I have a routine in the morning that guarantees that I start the day well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it never changes and it's I think it's different for everybody but you know I have music that I play that has the right cadence for me to mm-hmm. set me up for success and I don't watch the news god help me um but um then she used to go out into the world in that state of being and just random acts of kindness were just what she did mm. you know and and they weren't random they were just daily practice for her of telling people you know there'd be a young 16 year old serving her at the cafe and she'd go oh, darling your nail polish is a, it's just beautiful you know and I used to say to her grand why do you always give mm. people compliments and things all the time and she goes because it costs me nothing to be the ray of sunshine in someone's day it's really interesting you talking about that because I was um I saw something recently, it was probably a TED talk or something like that, and about the the top 10 um, factors for people living long but also quite healthy and engaged lives. Yeah. And there was standard ones, you know, like exercise and eat well and blah, blah, and all that boring stuff, you know. The number one, the absolute top one was making um, everyday connections with people. Oh, I think they probably used a better term than that. So it wasn't close relationships. That was number nine. So yeah. having those close, intimate relationships, you know, good relationship with your spouse, children, grandchildren, whatever. But the number one factor was was that. It was yeah. the fact that people that could, you know, have a chat to the to the girl behind the counter yeah. or the bloke that they always catch the bus with or say hello to their neighbour and know that that's Marge on one side and Fred on the other. Yeah. That, those little everyday seemingly minor social connections are seen to be absolutely huge statistically in living long and well. Well, there you go. Which I find really interesting. Yeah. Mm. And yet we're consistently now finding ourselves in a society where we're stepping back from that connection with people. So, you know, if you look at kids, young kids, younger kids, um, you know, and I have a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old right now. So mm-hmm. um, I make them go out and have conversations with people. Yep. But they're not willingly going to do that. They're happily going to Skype their friends and Facebook their friends. Yes. And, you know, God knows 10 other platforms that they can have those conversations. But yep. these people aren't picking up the phone and ringing their friends or catching up no. with them in real life. And that's a, that's an emotional issue, I think, mm. or it can be, because um, the, the current research is showing that when we are face-to-face with somebody, when we are in the same space with someone, uh, there is um, a, a certain level at which the, the brains start to move on the same kind of way. Oh, yeah. Um, this is not new age stuff. This no, is actual scientific yeah. stuff. Um, and I've, that, that's really interesting that you don't get that even over Skype. No. You certainly don't get it on the phone. You don't get it with text. I mean, I think all of those platforms are fantastic and they all have wonderful implications for people who are isolated and all of that. Yeah. And, and we love them, especially during shutdown. They've been a, been mm. a godsend. But it's really important, I think, to be in the same space yeah. as people. And and as you yourself said, I think that it's it's very hard to to hold space for people mm. when you're not actually in that space. No, yeah. you know, um, you can to some extent over Skype and phone, but mm. it's not the same. Mm. Well, and I think you raise another interesting point. It's been my experience that the people that have the strongest and most successful networks. Mm other people that have the capacity to hold space for other people absolutely um you know i often say and allow them to have some oxygen absolutely yes Yes. so um in the scheme of this what would you say has been uh what's the word i'm looking for uh 
your approach to building your networks, either from a digital or from a real life perspective that has led you to have lots of interesting experiences in your life? It is that. It does get back to that holding space and listening, Mm. listening. And, uh, you know, a very overused word, but, you know, I always laugh. I think everybody thinks they're a good listener, just like everybody thinks they're a good driver and everybody thinks they're good in bed. Now, statistically, they're going to be wrong about a few of those. yeah. You know. Um, And people are terrible listeners. People, you know, a lot of of people are terrible (laughs) listeners. As in a lot of people think that listening means just being quiet and letting the other person speak. And it's so much more than that. And so when I go into networking, whether it's formalised networking, whether it's informal, whether it's it's whatever it is, um, I don't know what this person is going to be for me down the track or vice versa. I don't know this person might end up fixing my electrics in my house they might end up married to my daughter they might Mm. end up I don't know that and so I have to approach every connection with somebody um you know until I'm you know pushed otherwise I approach it with respect I try to approach it with um interest with genuine curiosity about the person um and about what they do um and you know I've just made some lovely connections with people over the years you know, that may or may not result in me getting work mm. or whatever it might be. Um, you can't go in with that attitude. You no. know, even, even if you are going to a formalised, you know, this is a business networking function, there is nothing worse than somebody who comes up to you and goes, hi, I'm Mary. Look, let me give you my business card. Yeah. What I do is blubber. I can't stand well, it. It's can't my stand it. Yeah. Yes, and that's not what it's about. No. You know, it should be more like your grandmother hi mary i've just got to say i just love your shoes where did you get them from yeah and i'm saying that not because i think it's a good approach because i'm genuinely going god i love those women's shoes i've got to go and ask it and you chat and you get on you know and i've i've come away from even from so-called business networking things with just a a, a, another you know chick that i want to have a coffee with yeah you know which is great or um you know, someone who I think could help my son with something or, yeah. Well, and I think that's definitely been my experience. I always go into everything just looking to make new friends. Mm. And then I think there are different types of friends. So I have business friends. Same as I have business family, I suppose. So I have different types of family as well. Um, But the amazing thing is because I'm just always looking to make their lives better somehow, Okay, because in making their lives better, I get to feel good about myself anyway, let's be honest. There's mm-hmm. a payoff. Um, but also, um, in doing that, what happens is then randomly something goes pear-shaped for me and all I have to do is pick up the phone. And it's really funny. So we had that with the pub, um, mm. you know, during COVID and being shut down. Uh, what was meant to be a two-day, rip the vinyl up in the kitchen, put new vinyl down, turned into a six-week exercise where we needed concreters, tilers, plumbers. Um, And, you know, but what was amazing was just being able to pick up the phone and in an hour, I think at five o'clock on a Friday night, ringing uh, one of my friends, Jamin, and being able to go to him, um, you brought a concreter to a networking function, you know, eight months ago. What was his name? How well do you know him? He's like, he's my best mate. I'll ring him now. And then, like, wow. Simon the Concrete yeah. ringing me at 5.30 on a Friday night. After he's already done a full day yeah. with all of his crew. Yeah. Going, I can meet you at the pub in half an hour and have a look and we can quote yeah. it. Let's see what we need to do. 
you know, mm. ringing the tiler at the same time, Dion, who I've known for years, again, again through business networking, yeah. so not like it's family ties or anything like that, and going, Dion, how much do you love me? He's like, you know I do, why? I'm like, so I need you to come. We're going to have to completely retile the kitchen. Um, and he's come and had a look, and then him and his crew worked an entire Saturday just to get it done. Wow. So it was just, you know, who can pull trades like that and plumbers That's right. and, you know. So I think... Um, I always like to keep putting favours in the bank yep. because I never know when I'm going to need them. So That's if I right. can make connect someone to someone and it puts a favour in the bank, even though I'm not conscious of what that bank account looks like, I just know I'm always making deposits. Yes. Um, then, you know, life becomes way more fun for oh, me. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it does. And and it is, and I, I, you know, this is just my, my own non-scientific layman's theory about that whole you know, these smaller connections giving us a longer life. I think that one of the issues is that every time we talk to somebody new, we're opening up new, 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 that's very hard to say, new neural pathways. And, um, and that is one of the, you know, one of, one of the sort of semi-preventative measures for things like dementia and stuff, well, not preventative, but helps is that opening up new neural pathways. Um, but it's also just, as you say, it's really exciting. I mean, I love sometimes I'm, I'll start talking to somebody in a networking thing and they're writing a thesis or they've written a book or they're doing and, – and you find out what it's about and you go, oh, is that kind of like related to that thing? Oh, wow. Oh, my God, that's yeah. so interesting. And it's just – it's great. You, you get – and I think that when you're in networking slash businessy kind of settings – you get to have different conversations with people to the ones that you might have at a cocktail party Mm. or a dinner party or you know someone's barbecue i think that you approach people slightly differently and you are more likely to be asking about their work which might not be appropriate at a cocktail party or whatever and so i think you end up having different and and not sorry better but different conversations with people and that's really exciting really interesting yeah Mm. absolutely i think too um, that's why I have lots of different events that I do. Mm. So, um, you know, a great example is Dr. Fiona Kerr. So she's a neuro, neurophysicist, I think I've got that right. Um, she, I met her at a networking lunch, so she was the keynote speaker, and mm-hmm. she's just bloody fascinating. Mm. And so, you know, I had a really good conversation with her, and then I said to her, oh, um, it's been really great to meet you. Like, can I grab your email address? So she handed that over, and I sent her an email probably about two weeks later going, uh, I hosted dinner for The Driven, which is just for really successful business women who would like to get to know each other outside of a business setting. Mm-hmm. Um, are you free? And she came along to that, and it was just, you know, that epiphany of if I had, if I chose to make the time, I shouldn't say if I had the time, but if mm. I chose to make the time, I, I would be so tempted to go and study um, you know, neurology and, and the brain mm. and how it performs and all of those things and how they tie together because it's just fascinating to mm. me. You know, things like the impact of touch on people and their brain waves and, you know, like you were saying before, just being face-to-face with someone and having that conversation. Yep. So, um, yeah, I've also been really passionate about um, don't be afraid to ask someone for permission to get to know them better. Yeah, Because I absolutely. think that that's, that's where we miss the boat sometimes. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I've certainly even at times just contacted people that I don't know, 
particularly women. Um, I'm not saying I feel more comfortable with women than with men, but I feel sometimes more comfortable approaching women Mm -hmm. out of the blue. Um, And I've contacted them and just said, look, I'm just wondering if you've got some free time in the next couple of weeks. I'd love to buy your coffee. I'm interested in what you do. I'd like to have a chat. So I've done that a couple of times and I've never had anybody turn me down. Yeah. I've always been happy to meet me and have a chat to me, you know, and I've made it clear that I'm after maybe a little bit of advice or a bit of guidance or I want to learn something more about how they go about doing things. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, and I've met women at, at networking things and gone, look, I'd really love to to chat to him oh yeah 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 let's swap phone numbers yeah you know and sometimes you don't follow that up sometimes you forget but um you know most of the time I try to I try to at least send a text and say thanks for giving me your number and all of that yeah yeah it's great I mean what's life about if we're not out there connecting with other people that's that's a good um, spot to end on, I think, because one of the uh, advantages, I suppose, of both you being really forward and happy to do those things and me being the same is this is how we ended up on the couch today, yes, having a conversation. Exactly. Yes, so, exactly. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat and I think we could talk for hours, <laughs> uh, but I'm aware that you know podcasts have a certain um, sort of time limit to them with people's attention spans. Yep. Uh, So, Tracy, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Simone. Thank you for listening to the Seriously Social podcast. See our website for more details at www.socialmediaaok.com.au slash podcast. Check the show notes for credits, music used in the program, and more details about our guests.